Let us pray. God, you are here. Guide our feet, hold our hands, set our hearts on fire so that we can illuminate this world with your light, with your love. May I speak this morning in the name of our one loving, liberating, and life-giving God. Amen. Today, my life has changed. Today, my life has changed. At least 17 times this line was stated to me in a receiving line. You know that greeting line after our worship service in a small Episcopal church in northern Indiana by a group of college students. Some of them reached out their hands to shake my hand with a smile that could light up a room. Some of them stood in awe, not sure how to process the moment. Some of them had tears rolling down their faces and leaned in for a hug. Today, my life has changed. A couple years ago, I was called to be a preacher and teacher in Indiana for a long weekend. Over three days, I toured various parts of the diocese. I led workshops discussing baptism, the importance of living out our Christian vocations, speaking about what it means to be a disciple in today's world, what it means to be doing the work of reconciliation in today's world, which also required us to acknowledge that there is brokenness and needs for healing and reconciliation in today's world. And on the last day, I gathered with one of the local congregations and served as a guest preacher. Now, I had never been to this part of Indiana before. I didn't know what to expect. But David, one of my hosts and tour guides, promised that he would show me all that I needed to see to get a good understanding of the town. And that, well, he definitely did. He showed me every grocery store, gas station, and places of his childhood memories. From the moment that David picked me up from the airport, he began identifying all of the vacant factories, places that were once the center of the city, which now stood as capsules of a past life. We passed empty schools as he explained how the enrollment had gotten so low that they had to consolidate. We saw massive mansions and neighborhoods where each and every home had been boarded up and abandoned. I had no idea the city was like this, I said to David. Yes, he responded. All we have these days are two large evangelical universities and a hospital system. No one wants to stay here. No one wants to come here. I'm not sure what our future has in store. As we continued to drive down the streets where all of the traffic lights dangled, blinking red lights, David said that he had one more place that he had to show me. And as he pulled up to two large buildings, he placed the car in park and then got out. Where are we, David? Well, this right here is the uh, county courthouse. 
And on the other side of the street is the county jail. Now, St. Paul's. I have to admit, out of all the many places that I have traveled and the tours that I have taken, this was the first that a county jail and courthouse made the tour guide list. So this must be the town square, I asked David. Well, what's left of it, he responded. There's a plaque over there if you want to go check it out. I was extremely confused. I wasn't sure why David had brought me here. Someone who had told me every detail about the grocery stores and abandoned buildings all of a sudden was silent. Our tour just changed. So as I walked around the courthouse towards the plaque, I noticed what narrative David wanted to share with me but didn't want to speak of. I was standing on holy ground. The plaque read, August 7th, 1930, the lynching of J. Thomas Shipp and Abraham S. Smith. The story told that the two were removed from jail cells, beaten and hung outside of the courthouse by a mob of thousands. As I walked back to David, I said, I had no idea this happened here. He began to speak again. I figured, that's why I brought you here. Now I can be real with you. We are tired of talking about this, and I sure hope you don't preach about it while you are here. But I also know that racism is very much alive here, and so is homophobia. There are quite a few people that are not happy that you are here in this town. Word does travel fast. But as you settle in tonight, call me if you need me. It was in that moment where fear hit me. Questions started running through my mind. Where am I? What is going on? Don't talk about racism and homophobia. Don't talk about two prisoners that were crucified in this town square. People aren't happy that I'm here. They don't even know me. God, what am I doing here? Should I leave? But I knew I had to stay. I knew I was there for a purpose. I had to be in this place of discomfort. I was here, but now, what was I going to do? What was I going to say? As the time went on, I began to learn even more about the darkness that the city was facing, the struggles and the pain and the hopes that lied in the hearts of many. There was a deep need for disciples to be at work. And as the morning of worship came about, the church was filled with people from all ages and various races and walks of life. And the rector approached me and pointed to a group of 17 college students and said, they come from our two neighboring universities. They tend to leave right after the service because they aren't supposed to worship anywhere except for on campus. So don't take offense if they leave. But then even more college students began to come in, filling the right side of the church entirely. And as the organ began to play, the rector called out my name and said, I want to thank you for being here today. It has meant a lot to have you in town this weekend. And I believe you're the first black person to ever preach from this pulpit and probably the first openly gay person. 
Your life is the message that is going to change lives. Today, my life has changed. Today, my life has changed. Following my sermon, at least 17 young adults approached me with many standing behind them, telling me that they had never seen a preacher who looked like them before. 17 young adults approached me telling me that they had never seen a preacher who loved like them before, that they never heard a theology that accepted them before. And as the crowd began to grow bigger, we moved into a quieter room where these students began to share about their college experiences, the reasons why they attend the schools that they do, even if their theology doesn't support them. One student mentioned the fear of losing the support of their family if they were to come out as gay, and other students chimed in saying that they fear the same. One student was fearful to share that as a woman she felt called to ministry on a campus that still believed that there is no such thing. And other students nodded their heads, agreeing with such a testimony. And one young man said, I am afraid that even now, I might be just like Thomas and Abraham and be made as a criminal by those who live in this town, those who I attend school with, by those who teach me and those who I am forced to worship with in the daily chapel on campus. And as I began to cry, hearing these students tell their stories, to share their pain for over an hour, The voice of one student then said, when I come on to this campus, I'm in the wilderness. But this church, this Episcopal church is my sanctuary. This church is my hope. But it's also the place that is protested all the time for being a symbol of what people in this town mock. This church is where I feel loved and in promise that in the midst of pain, God is here with me. And today, that grew even stronger for me. I realized that God truly is here with me. Today, my life has changed. On this second Sunday in the season of Advent, we are being called to turn our lives in the direction of Christ. We are called to prepare ourselves, our world, our church, for the arrival of Emmanuel, the God among us, the King of hope and Prince of peace that comes to change our world, change that begins by transforming and changing each and every one of us. And along the way of this journey, here in the Gospel of Luke, we meet John the Baptist in a time when he is preparing for his ministry in the world. He's in the desert, a place that we know from Scripture, where we know God's presence has been made known to many. A place where many are facing times of temptation, doubt, and if we think about it, might be physically uncomfortable. And John receives the message to go forth to preach and proclaim a baptism of repentance in a world and a place that is uncomfortable. Now, this is not the baptism ritual and understanding that we practice here at this font that brings us into new life through the baptism of Jesus Christ, a baptism that unites us as the body of Christ. But this baptism 
is a preparation. It's a cleansing. It's a time for us to repent, to turn our lives around, facing in the direction of our God, turning to walk and live in the way of love, a baptism that is rooted in the acknowledging and life where our sins are forgiven, a baptism that makes us available to receive the life of Christ into our lives. This baptism is our advent. It's our Lent. It's the path that we make as we walk into the doors of this building. It's the path that we take as we walk up to this altar. It's the path that we make as we prepare to make our way to that font, a baptism that even our brother Paul references today. Did you catch that in our reading? Where he writes to the church of Philippi as he encourages them to all open themselves, to change their lives, to redirect themselves so that they can receive and share a love that surpasses all understanding. St. Paul's, on the second Sunday in the season of Advent, we are being called into a baptism of repentance, a baptism where we examine our own lives, our shortcomings, the times that we have failed to act in the way of love, to speak in the way of love, to share in the way of love, those moments where we have spoken in the tongue of racism, classism, sexism, or contributed to the deafening silence those moments where we have told our neighbors, like those very college students in Indiana, that there is no room in the end for them, those moments where we have not been kind to one another, we have not listened to one another, we have not seen or valued the humanity of the other as well as the likeness of God in the other, those moments where we have denied our God, belittled the seeker, or questioned the wanderer, those moments where we have avoided the truth, mocked the experience, and lived in to a lie. God, through the ministry of John the Baptist, is inviting us in the scriptures to change our lives and to change this world, to turn it around just as that song of hope proclaims. God, through the ministry of John the Baptist, is telling us people to get ready. There's a train a-coming. We don't need a ticket, we just get on board. We don't need a ticket, we just thank the Lord. And yes, indeed, we must thank the Lord. And St. Paul's, we must get on board. And in doing so, in this season of Advent, we must begin to pave a way, to prepare a way for our Lord. We must lower the mountain that we at times stand so highly and proud on and humble ourselves coming back down from that mountain and seeing that the true view of justice, love, and peace is right here. That true pride rests when we let ourselves walk on even terrain right here and right now. We must lie down those bricks of peace to provide our neighbors, our children, a path to continue to walk towards their dreams, to be able to go to school where they no longer have to live to fear of their lives. We must place the same bricks that paved a way of freedom, of liberation, of hope for the Israelites, leading them out of the exile and into the warmth of possibility. St. Paul's, this train is coming and we are being called to check our baggage at the door. We're being called to leave behind all that separates us 
from the kingdom, all that pushes us away from God. We are being called individually to seek forgiveness. We're being called as a church to speak truth. We're being called as a nation to act in love. We're being called as a world to change lives. St. Paul's, we're being asked to prepare ourselves for a king, a king that will come to walk among us, to love us, and to continue to travel with us in the days, weeks, and years to come. St. Paul's, are you still with me this morning? I know that I have changed a lot in the short period of time that I have been with you. I know that I have changed a lot in this past year, and I know that each of us have as well. St. Paul's, we must continue to change, to get on board, and especially during this holiday season where many of our neighbors will be looking for a place to go to church, we must be there to hold the door of the train to welcome them on board. We must make a place for those who are seeking sanctuary, seeking love, seeking hope in the midst of the wilderness they find themselves in. And yes, the wilderness does exist here in Westfield. Yes, the wilderness does exist here in New Jersey. Maybe we find ourselves in the wilderness now. We must get on board. So in just a moment, we will have the opportunity to continue to prepare ourselves will kneel before our God and seek forgiveness for the sins that we have committed. In just a moment, we'll continue to prepare ourselves to be made anew, to work towards creating the world anew for our Lord that is known to be born on Christmas morn. After today, we have two more weeks to get ready to prepare to be the living story, which is the journey to Christmas here in our time, the journey to hope, love, peace, joy, healing, and new life being born here in our lives. May this preparation not only take place within the walls of this place or only within this hour, but may we only be so moved to truly step out into this world being spiritually nourished and renewed so we can go in peace to love and serve our Lord. And may we find in doing so that we may not simply walk through or by this mystery of Christmas, but walk beside the prophets, the angels, our sister Mary, our brother Joseph, and with all the disciples as we welcome the arrival of our God the Prince of Peace, the author of love, and the bearer of healing and new life. St. Paul's, may you each have a safe, peaceful, and life-changing Advent. Amen.